Well, church, it is time for a word from the Lord. I hope you're excited. If you're excited for a word from the Lord, why don't you put it in the comments? Speak, Lord. Put that in the comments. Speak, Lord. You know, this is a time where God can speak to us. He can speak to us through the word of God. And this is also a time where the Holy Spirit can move on our behalf and transform and change us from the inside out. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today. Luke chapter 2, and I am so excited to get into this text, this passage. I hope this series has been blessing you. I hope that you've been able to glean and learn some things. I hope that you're seeing some amazing things about what God desires for pace. Now, if you've missed it, we have been going through a series of messages entitled Godspeed, Divine Pace for Divine Purpose. Godspeed, Divine Pace for Divine Purpose. You know what I'm going to ask you, right? Go ahead and put that in the comments. Godspeed. This means that we are attempting as believers to think about the quality of our journey, not just where we end up. As I've said before, where we get or when we get there, wherever there may be, is not as important as how we get there. Meaning that most of us are concerned with the timeline, the outcome. But the truth of the matter is God is desirous of us being fully formed fully fleshed out, mature believers whenever we get to the place where God has us. I hope you are still believing this, that God is more concerned with how you get there than when you get there. This should be an encouragement for you no matter what your season of life may be. You may be young, you may be old, but wherever you are in your life, God is concerned about how you're doing, not when you get to the destination that you feel God would have you to be at. So this is why I've said that if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the first things that you have to learn how to do is to change your pace, is to adjust your pace. And we want to fall in line and in love with where God has us, not where we think we should be. Let me emphasize this again. So much of life is going to push you to being in a space or comparing yourself to someone else. But how many of you are saying, I want to be where God desires for me to be? not where I think I should be. And we've been talking about it specifically in this idea of, of divine acceleration, of the times when God closes the gap, when God moves us into the place where we desire to be. And we've been using our friend Joseph from Genesis to really dial into what it means to truly experience and handle properly divine acceleration. Do you feel like you're getting ready to be accelerated, church? Do you feel like you're in your season of acceleration? Maybe some of you have already been accelerated. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand? If that applies to you in any way, raise your hand in the chat. Give me a wave because I think God is accelerating not just you, not just me, but our church as well. And we want to be in a space to receive that. Today we're going to talk about something a little bit different though. But first let me read the scripture, Luke chapter 2, and it goes like this. It says in verse 51, then he went, meaning Jesus, down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Verse 52 says, very important, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Will you lift up your hands as we get ready to open up this word? and have this word do surgery on our hearts. God in heaven, speak to us from your word. We are ready, available, and willing to be changed by your spirit, to be transformed from the inside out. There can't be a fire in anyone's place if there was an iceberg behind this virtual pulpit. So God, would you light me on fire that I may burn for you, burn for your truth, burn for your love, burn for your justice. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. So it says here in verse 52, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. In other words, Jesus was stuck. Jesus was in a season of what people would consider to be a season of stationary stillness. My wife and I, a few weeks ago, were talking about our honeymoon, and it's a running joke amongst our friend circle that we wasted our honeymoon. Now, let me explain. 
Our honeymoon was great. It was phenomenal. But if we had to do it over again, can I put the young couples on game? Can I put those uh, singles on game, those engaged couples that are getting ready to enter into the covenant of marriage? Don't waste your honeymoon and don't waste your honeymoon on Christian activities. I know what you're thinking. I'm a pastor, right? I know you're thinking that a pastor wouldn't be telling you not to do Christian stuff on your honeymoon. No, you're going to do plenty of Christian stuff. I'm just saying don't waste your honeymoon on Christian activities. You, you know, when we got engaged, we were super spiritual. We were young and zealous. We were reading certain materials. We were being influenced by certain names. And we thought that it would be pleasing to God if we used our honeymoon to go on a Christian conference, to go down to South Florida and attend a Christian, not a black Christian conference, mind you, just a Christian conference. It was pretty bland, lots of word, lots of talking, uh, lots of panel discussions, lots of deep thought stuff. And, and I'm going to tell you about, you know, 12 hours into it, I'm, I'm not trying to be any <laughs> deep, deep thought on my honeymoon. I'm just being real with you. I, I don't, I don't want to be in deep thought. So see, we wasted our honeymoon on this Christian conference. But afterwards, we decided that we were going to go to Disney World. Now, as all of you know, down in Orlando, Disney World is the thing to do. It's the attraction. It's where people come and travel globally to enter into that space. And so we came and we went to Disney World and we had fun. It was a lot of walking, but we ran into this one obstacle. There was an obstacle that we kept revolving around and, and it kind of hampered our ability to have fun. We kept running into this obstacle of long lines. Y'all know that, right? We'd have the fast pass. You know, the fast pass is expensive, okay? We didn't have fast pass money, okay? We, we just a brand new couple. We didn't want to wait in the line. So it didn't matter if it was a, a big ride or a roller coaster, which I don't typically go on, but if she said that, at that point, I was willing to do whatever she said. So if she wanted me to wait in a roller coaster line, I'm riding a roller coaster, and I'm going to scream the whole way. It didn't matter if it was a roller coaster line, a show line, a food line. We'd look at it and say, ah, that line's a little too long. Ah, let's keep moving. That line's a little too long. Why? Because you don't want to spend your time, your limited time at Disney World on your honeymoon waiting in lines. Does anyone resonate with this? Can you say amen? You don't want to stand in line. You won't want to spend that time when all this excitement is rising around you, being stuck in a stationary place. See, in other words, there was too much excitement around us to be stuck in a line. There was too much happening around us, too much that we could be engaged in, too much that we could get our hands on, too much that we could be having fun with, too much experiences, too many experiences that we could be taking pictures of and showing other people for us to be standing stationary in a line. And some of you have already caught this because see the problem with many of us is that we don't like the seasons of stuck. We don't like to be in a season of stuck because there's so much fun. There's so many things that we could experience. There's so much that we could be doing in our purpose. And it's interesting because sometimes we get in places as believers, as people who are trying to live out our purpose, that we want to be accelerated and God wants us to be still. <laughs> I'm going to mess with you again today. I'm so sorry. We want to be accelerated, but God is saying stop. We want to move quickly, and God is saying, slow down. We want to be experiencing all the excitement around us, and God is saying, stand still for a little bit. Pump the brakes. Pull the reins back a little bit. Don't do as much. Say no to that opportunity. Don't walk through that open door. Don't accept that offer. Don't enter into that relationship. As a matter of fact, hold off on that. Be, be still for a little bit. Has anyone ever been in a season of stuck? It's okay, it's just me and you here, nobody else here, just wink at me, just wink at the camera. I'll see you somehow, the Holy Spirit will let me see you. Just wink at, just wink at whatever device you're watching. Have you ever been in a season of stuck? Is anyone bold enough to admit I'm in a season of stuck right now? I want you to do me a favor and be bold about it. Say out loud, don't put it in the chat, say out loud the season, the particular area of life that you feel like you're stuck in. Say it out loud right now. Could be your finances, could be relationships, could be job and career, could be your ministry. Whatever it is, say it out loud. Where are you in a season of stuck? Where are you locked down? Where are you in a scenario where you feel like 
Nothing is going the way that it should be going. And God, I've tasted divine acceleration and it tastes good. I want more of that. But the problem is if your pace keeps up at the same way, you'll wear yourself out. If your pace continues at the same speed, you won't be able to maintain that over the course of time. You have to stop at some point in time. And God is potentially calling many of us to be prepared for our seasons of stuck. The season where I have to be still. You know, it's interesting. We're talking about a particular biblical character. As a matter of fact, the most important biblical character, the one whom the entire Bible is written about and centered on, the God-man, Jesus. And when we think about Jesus, most of us don't think about this idea that Jesus, at some point in his life, was stuck. We don't think about that. We don't think that Jesus was ever stuck. Why? Because he had all power. He was powerful. He was sinless. He was blameless. But what we see in Luke chapter 2 is that from 12 to 30, Jesus drops off the map. From Luke chapter 2, in about two to three verses, Jesus spans 18 years of life. And he doesn't span 18 years of life doing and moving and ministering and healing and preaching and teaching and routing the Pharisees. What does he do? He spends 18 years of life in stuck. He spends 18 years of life in obscurity. He spends 18 years of life in silence. And I'm here to tell you that, that it may not seem like it to you, but it was probably hard for Jesus to be still. It was probably hard for Jesus to be stuck. You might not understand this, but Jesus is what we call Jesus embodied the hypostatic union, which means he was 100 percent God and also 100 percent man. He was 100 percent divine and also 100 percent human. And what this means is there was no distinction or separation between his humanity and his divinity. He was all of them at the same time so he could perform outstanding miracles and at the same time keep himself from sinning. He could endure temptation and not succumb to that temptation. That was his divine side. But his human side said that he still felt tired. He still felt pain. He still felt emotions. And that means that he still might have been stuck. Don't get this twisted. Just because Jesus wasn't sinning didn't mean he didn't have longings. It doesn't mean he didn't have desires. It doesn't mean he probably wasn't tempted to move quickly in his ministry. And just like Jesus, many of us are in a season where we feel we're ready. I'm ready, God. I'm ready to walk in everything you've called me to walk in. I'm ready for the business. I'm ready for the ministry. I'm ready for the new job. I'm ready for the move. I'm ready for more children. I'm ready for that marriage. I'm ready to make all this money. I'm ready to do all these great things and I want to experience divine acceleration. But God is saying, I see your longings and I'm telling you, you have to take a step back. I'm telling you, you have to pause. I'm telling you, it's going to seem like you're stuck. It's going to seem like you're still. It's going to seem like nothing is happening. You might not understand this, but Jesus was on the fast track. You see, in this passage, Jesus gets a taste of divine acceleration and he gets pulled back. It says here in Luke chapter 2, verse 41, take a look at this. It says that Jesus encountered a, a specific and particular scenario with the rabbis and the scholars and the scribes. And it is a scenario that blew their minds. Let me explain it. I'll read this passage. It says in verse 41, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the uh, excuse me, for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to his custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Think about this. You feel bad if you leave your child unattended for five minutes. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. It was a communal culture. This was not odd to them. They were not an individualistic culture. They lived in plurality and community. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, catch this, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. This doesn't mean much to you, but take a look at verse 46. 
They found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, those who were most learned about the law, those who had a mastery of understanding, and he was sitting amongst them. You see, there's a tradition in Jewish culture that if you are in the temple courts and the synagogues, the teacher does not stand. It's reversed in our Western American society. So the teacher stands and everyone else sits. And if you are looking at it through a Western lens, you'll miss the power of this. Jesus was not standing. All the people who were lesser than him were standing. You see, this is the phenomenon that a master rabbi is the one who sits on the floor and all of his aspiring pupils and, and the ones who are trying to be tutored by him are standing around him. So here's what happens. They have the opportunity to ask the master rabbi questions. And if he cannot answer the question, then he has to stand up and they take the position now of being the master rabbi. So you're wondering, how did Jesus get to the place of teacher? Well, he simply started asking the right questions. Because he had all understanding, because he was imbued with wisdom and knowledge from on high, Jesus could ask the right questions. And once he stumped the master rabbi, he became the master. So Jesus is sitting at 12 or 13 or somewhere in that vicinity as a preteen. And he's schooling the rabbis and the teachers. What would you do if you had mastered your craft at 12 or 13? What would you do if early in your life you realized you were the best there ever was to do it? What would you do if you looked around and you said, nobody can touch me? Nobody can advance higher than me. Nobody understands this better than me. And this is my birthright. This is why I came. This is what I was born to do. And Jesus could have been the teacher right then. Jesus could have been the minister right then. Jesus could have been the one who did it right then. But what happens? Jesus goes back and submits to his parents. Jesus tasted divine acceleration and then gets pulled back. Some of us think that we did something wrong because we experienced one victory, one win, one step in our purpose, and then we got pulled back. Some of us think that just because we got a taste of what it means to walk fully in our purpose, now we are subsequently supposed to walk in our purpose, all and fully right in that moment. Some of us got a taste of acceleration, and now we feel entitled to that acceleration. Some of us are saying, God, when were you going to push me fully forward? God, weren't you going to elevate me more? Weren't you going to do all these great things through my life and in your name? Weren't you going to push and propel me towards my purpose? And it reminds me of something very interesting. You know, I ran track in high school. And one of the things that they did for the sprinters is they would have something called resistance training. And resistance training was so interesting because I know it looks great in the workout videos when they have these bands or these parachutes or sometimes even t-shirts that they wrap around our waist. I know it looks very nice and flashy in workout videos and montages, but let me tell you, this is painful. It doesn't feel good. It's actually very frustrating for a sprinter. When you have the capability of accelerating quickly and someone is holding you back, hmm, when you have the capability of running at top speed and accelerating through your mid-level and your max level speed, uh, uh, optimum level, and you have the ability to do that but someone is pulling you back and you feel like you're stuck and you have to lean forward and you have to drive and you have to lean forward and you have to keep those legs moving and you have to have proper form and you have to use your momentum to keep your balance and you're trying to push as quickly as you can when you know you're faster than this, you know you're stronger than this, you know you're more capable than this, but something is keeping you stuck, something is keeping you still, something is keeping you stationary. And this is what they used to say, I know it's frustrating for resistance training to take place. I know you're in the middle of it and it seems as though you're not doing anything, but here's the principle. Before Jesus can send us off, he has to hold us back. Before Jesus can propel us forward, he has to pull us back. 
And see, some of you have been in a scenario and a situation where you're being pulled back. You're being held back. You're being, you're being in a stationary or stuck or still place. And you're wondering, God, I'm moving my legs and I'm exerting my effort and I'm pushing forward, but nothing is happening. And Jesus is saying, trust me, child, this is just resistance training. Before I can send you off to let you run, I got to hold you back before the arrow can go far. It's got to be pulled back before I can propel you forward. I've got to hold you back to make sure that your muscles are ready and to make sure that your heart is ready and your soul is ready. Can someone type in the comments, hold me back? Type it in the comments. Say, hold me back. If it takes me being held back for a season so I can walk in my divine purpose of acceleration in a healthy way, hold me back. If it takes me not having a lot so that I can appreciate when I do get a lot, hold me back. If it takes me being in a season where I'm rejected before I can appreciate acceptance, hold me back. If it takes me not being able to walk in what God has called me to walk in and do what God has called me to do, to take it seriously when it drops in my lap, hold me back. Someone type it in the comments again. Say, hold me back, Jesus. Hold me back from just wanting to be sent off before I'm pulled back. Am I talking to you? Are you the person who experienced all of the divine acceleration, a glimpse of it? Now you're being held back. Are you the young person who thinks you should be leading everything, but you're stuck? Are you the seasoned saint who assumes that you should be walking in everything because you are a certain age? Are you that person? Are you the person who says, God, send me off. And God is saying, I'm going to hold you back. The season of stuck requires us to have a particular level of trust that God is not holding us back because he seeks to harm us. God is holding us back so that we can be fully mature. So that when it comes time for divine acceleration to take place, God can trust us with it. Is this you? Am I talking to you? I sense that there are some people who have been so frustrated during this pandemic You've been in this feedback loop and this circle and going back and forth, round and around, and you started to get mad at God. And you said, God, why won't you just give me the breakthrough I've been asking you for for years? And God is saying, the Son of God himself sat for 18 years and stuck. And you can't sit for 18 months, church. You can't hold it back for two years, for a year, some of us for six months. God is challenging us to be content in the season of stuck. Th there's some things that we can do. When you're stuck, you're not stationary in the sense that you cannot move because this is very interesting. It says here in Luke chapter two, uh, verse 52, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Now, mind you, he was hidden. He was not well known. He was not popular. He was not famous. But what do we see? He grew. And what is the literal word for grew? The word for grew in the original language means he advanced. <laughs> he moved forward even in a season of stuck. See, this is the problem. Most of us have a materialistic, physical definition of what is stuck and stationary and what is accelerated because we judge it by our external circumstances, not by our internal maturity. Remember what I said. When I say divine acceleration, I don't mean accelerating beyond your maturity level. I don't mean accelerating beyond your emotional health. I don't mean accelerating beyond your spiritual rootedness. I mean that those things are in similitude. Those things are going concurrently at the same time. And here's what we see, that Jesus was still moving, even though he was stuck and silent and still to other people. And this is the truth for many of us. We are still moving and we do not even realize it. We are growing. And here's some things that you can do in the midst of a season of stuck. And now I'll let you go. Are you ready? Number one, you can survive. Someone type survival in the comments. I can survive. But pastor, am I not supposed to be thriving? 
Am I not supposed to be experiencing the fullness and the flourishing of God? Do you realize that sometimes the fullness and the flourishing of God is your survival? <laughs> sometimes it's just you making it to the next day. At the beginning of the pandemic, you remember what happened? Everyone was pushing themselves and pushing other people. They're saying, you got to start your own business. You got to master a new skill. You got to prepare to travel to a new country. You got to prepare to master a new language. You got to do this and do that and expand in your work. You got all this time now, not even taking into account our trauma, not taking into account the fact that we've all lost something, not taking into account the fact that we need to grieve. And so what do people do? They push you toward activity. They push you toward doing. They push you toward accomplishing. And here's what God is saying. Sometimes you just need to survive. You might have forgotten this, but Jesus was a survivor. Jesus was a survivor of genocide. Matthew 2 tells us that King Herod, out of rage and anger that there was a Messiah king that was in the community, decided to kill all of the males, all of the male children, two and under. He committed mass genocide, and Jesus had to flee for his life. So Jesus, in that time, could have been accelerated, but there's something to be said just for survival. There's something to be said for the fact that you're still here. There's something to be said for the fact that you made it. There's something to be said for the fact that you're still breathing, that you haven't lost your mental faculties, that you can still perform and do things, that people still love you, that you can still show up, that you still have the activity of your limbs. See, see we used to praise God, and by we, I mean the older saints, because I just put myself in that because I'm an old soul, but they used to praise God, what? For just waking me up in the morning and started me on my day. God, you woke me up and you pushed me in the right way and you got me moving and you got me pushing and you got me continuing to put one foot in front of the other and to continue to clock into this job I hate and love these people that I don't like and give even when I don't want to and serve even when I don't feel like it. And that's a testimony in and of itself. Come on, somebody type in the comments and say, I made it. <laughs> you know what? It's something to survive a global pandemic. And we're talking about thriving in a pandemic, killing it in a pandemic, producing in a pandemic, accomplishing in a pandemic. You made it through a pandemic. You're still here. You're still breathing. It didn't take you out. You ought to give God praise for that. It didn't take you out. It didn't take you under. But you survived, church. And sometimes the blessing is just in the survival. The blessing is just in the perseverance. Don't miss it. You survived. That's what you can do when you're in a season of stuff. Not only that, you can grow wiser. Do you realize that wisdom is something you can develop at any season of your life? It says in Proverbs in chapter 4, it says that wisdom is the principal thing. And with all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the thing that roots and grounds you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? Wisdom is the thing that is going to push you. It is Sophia. It is the thing that is going to keep you stable and steady and committed in any season of your life. So whether you're waiting or you're accelerating or you're in a season of stuck where you're stationary, you need wisdom. Wisdom will get you through whatever season you're in. So that's why you can grow wiser. That's why it says that Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew in Sophia. He grew in the way in which you are supposed to act, the principles you are supposed to adhere to. And that wisdom is what propelled him forward. Not only that, you can also grow stronger. And by stronger, I don't mean physically or cosmetically. I mean more mature. Jesus grew in stature, which means that his development was on time. It means that his growth was consistent. Is your growth consistent? Are you able to say I'm becoming more rooted every single day? I'm learning how to love people better every single day. What are you learning in your season? Learning doesn't mean accomplishing. It just means simply not wasting what God has given to you. What are you learning that's going to make you more mature? What are you learning that's going to make you just a little bit closer to the image of the person you want to be when you're in your season of acceleration? What disciplines are you starting? Recently, I've been starting this discipline where I'm trying as best as I can, based upon a prophecy I received, to master the book of Luke. 
I'm going through the book of Luke every single day, writing down phrases I don't understand and digging into them. I may not preach from Luke every single week. That's not going to happen, but I'm still going to do it so that I can grow in who God has called me to be. Grow in my maturity level. Grow in my understanding. Grow in my wisdom. Grow in my spiritual strength. And I've got to build myself up and I've got to have a rhythm of doing that. What's your rhythm? You want to accelerate, but you don't have a rhythm in your season of stuck? It don't work like that. So you can grow stronger. Finally, and I'll let you go, you can love better. You can survive. You can grow wiser. You can grow stronger. You can love better. It says that Jesus grew in favor with God and with all the people. And all the people clearly did not like him. All the people clearly did not think highly of him. All the people did not support him when he walked into his season of divine acceleration. Learn how to love in your season of stuck. Learn how to fall in love with the presence of God. Learn how to fall in love with caring for people, with sacrificing for people, with laying your life down for people, with helping the least of these. You want to get through your season of stuck? Help the people who can't do anything for you. That's how you get through your season of stuck. You'll be preoccupied with that. When you are serving the people who can do no good for you or can't put you on or can't accelerate you, that's where maturity happens. That's where love happens. That's where consistency happens. That's where you get spiritually mature. Are you in a season of stuck? Are you paused? Are you stationary? Are you still? Feel like you're done? Frustrated with God? Maybe frustrated with yourself? God's got to hold you back before he can send you off. God's got to pull you back before you can run. And I'm going to pray for you right now that if you're in that season of stuck, and the truth is all of us are in one area or another, but if you feel like your entire life is in a season of stuck, this is for you. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to say, God, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do in this area. I've tried all my things. I've tried to accelerate on my own. It's not working. It's not happening the way that I expected. I'm stuck. And I want you to give that burden over to God. And I want you to receive contentment and love. That right where you're at, God is not doing it to harm you. God is doing it to prepare you. God in heaven, right now I ask that you would touch those who are stuck. Lead them and guide them. But before you lead them and guide them, perfect them right where they are. Hmm. I sense there are some people right now, prophetically, I sense that there are some people who heard no this week, and it was hard for you to hear no. You've been praying and believing, and you had anticipation, anticipation, and you were anticipating this particular meeting, whatever it may have been. And you heard a no from, from the person, and you felt like it was a rejection from God. You heard a no from the company, and you felt like this was a referendum on your self-worth. You heard a no here and there. You heard a breakup. You heard a door close in your face. You felt the sting of rejection. Don't lose heart. God is saying right now, don't let your shoulders slump over. Don't let your head be bowed down. But trust that this is just a season. This is just a season where perfection happens. This is just a season where maturity happens, where growth happens. You might not be able to walk in every single door that you think you should, but what you can do is you can be content in this moment because God is preparing you for the season of acceleration. The season of acceleration will come. It just won't come in the way you expect. If that's you, I just want you to receive that word, that if you heard the no, if you heard the rejection, if you heard the not now, God is not angry with you. You didn't do anything wrong. It's just not time yet. And God, I pray that we would all accept the no's in our lives, the rejections in our lives, the stuck places of our lives, so that we can walk in and accelerate in everything that you have called for us to. I speak faith and freedom on these people. I speak faith and freedom on your people. 
that we would walk in what you've called us to walk in if it's our season of acceleration. But God, I pray that we would pause and we would just stay still and be stationary and embrace it. You're holding us back before you can send us off. We receive it, God. We accept your word and offer no resistance in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, I love you. In your season of stuck, remain faithful. God is preparing you for something. I'll see you on Wednesday. This is Pastor Tyler again. Thank you so much for tuning in to the NDCC online worship experience. So if you want to take a step in God, I want to pause here. You know, normally I just breeze through this and say, hey, you can just put home in the comments or text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. But I think there might be someone out there who genuinely wants to have an encounter with God who wants to make a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hands right now. You can type home in the comments, but right now, first, I just want you to lift up your hands. And I just want you to say, even repeating after me, if that's you, if you say, God, I wanna give my life to you for real this time. I wanna follow you in everything that I say and I do, transform and change my life. Lift up your hands and say, God, come into my heart and save me. I repent of my sins. I repent of the way that I've been going, and I just want to follow you. Thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank you for what he's done on the cross. Thank you that he's an alive and risen, and thank you that I can make the choice to follow him. Come into my heart and save me. Transform me. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're so excited. We're proud of you. We want to celebrate you. We want to be excited with you and walk with you as well. You can type home in the comments or text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. It means so much that we're able to introduce Jesus to you. Once again, if you did not have the opportunity to give earlier in the service, you can do so in two ways. You can go to ndccpensacola.org and click offerings or you can mail it in to P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. I hope to see you next week. And until then, be blessed, be safe, be healthy. We love you so much. Peace.